I just started writing lessons down that I thought would be potentially helpful for me to remember in the future. Originally, it started out as a guidebook for me. I basically would just write lessons of things that I've learned over the past few years in product management. Little learnings like that that I would just write to myself on two sticky notes that probably came out to like a few thousand words. It wasn't anything like a book to begin with. And then eventually I just wrote that into articles. And then in the articles, it forced me to expand on my thoughts. And then each article I wrote, I would get feedback from people, whether they enjoyed it or not. That was my guest, Manan Modi, explaining the initial genesis of his new book, The Startup Product Manager, which just came out and is available on Amazon. Manan reached out to me as part of his go-to-market plan for his book, which was good thinking, by the way, and I was intrigued by his focus on startups, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. He has some counterintuitive and provocative ideas about product management and an interesting path in his own career, which we get into. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 147 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. In this episode, The Startup Product Manager by Manan Modi. This podcast is for product managers, product marketers, leaders, anyone who wants to make a difference in the world by creating great products and taking them to market. The episode is sponsored by my free semi-weekly product manager meetup, which happens every other Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to join, go to the sign-up page at secretsofpm.com meetup and get on the notification list, and I'll send you an email whenever we have one scheduled. I'd love to have you join. Most weeks, we have a topic we discuss. Past topics have been on roadmaps, psychological safety, confidence, and how to be wrong, creativity and product management, and many others. We sometimes do a lean coffee where we come up with the agenda during the call, and that's really fun always as well. We have lots of great discussion, and I think you should come join me. Again, that's secretsofpm.com slash meetup to get on the notification list. This episode is also sponsored by my online course, How to Ace the Behavioral Interview. It turns out most people, not just product managers, are not that good at telling their own stories. And in this course, I give you the tricks, which are seriously the same tricks that Hollywood movies use to keep you on the edge of your seat, to turn your stories from boring to wow. I teach you exactly how to polish the stories of your best accomplishments to use in job interviews and in your resume. I give you the tools, templates, and questions I use when working with clients one-on-one -on -one to accelerate their job search. You can find the course at secretsofpm.com masterclass, and you can find those links as well as more information about this episode and contact information from Manan at secretsofpm.com 147. Back to the interview. I started by asking Manan to explain the focus on startups in his book. Manan, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Your book is called The Startup Product Manager. And looking on Amazon, it doesn't seem like there are many books about startup product managers. So let's talk about that differentiator in your book, startup versus what and why startup? Sure. I'm super excited to share the book today. And thanks for having me, Nils. The reason I wrote the startup product manager was that I think product management, typically a lot of people first think of product management as like one, like the APM programs that exist out there. Mercer Mayer was famous for popularizing product management at the very junior level of people mm -hmm. entering into product management at big tech companies. And so today, a lot of people work at big tech in product management, but what we don't often hear about is when people work in product management at startups. And so whether you're building a bootstrap startup or a venture-backed startup, personally, after working in startups and product management for a few years, I wanted to write a book and help people explore a different path of learning product management and learning 
okay, from a different perspective. So product management at startups is like the skill of building products from zero to one. Mm -hmm. So building it up to product market fit and then scaling it past product market fit. So I think it's a very valuable skill of learning how to build a business from the ground up. And every feature and every initiative that you work on hopefully relates back to revenue of the company or growth or whatever North Star metric that your company is using. And so anything that you do has a very strong impact on your team, your company, and your customers. And so I think that startup product management is like a very broad field, but it's the field of learning how to build businesses and learning how to distribute products and working with a lot of different cross-functional teams to be able to do that. So what would you say for your purposes is the definition of a startup or sort of the size range of a startup? The ones that I personally talk about are primarily early stage startups. So I think startups can be anywhere from bootstrap to series D, E, sometimes F. But the startups that I particularly cover in the book or like the perspective that I'm talking from are startups that are at product market fit and before that. So typically at series A, they reach product market fit. Series B, they're, most startups are reaching product market fit at scale. And then beyond like series C, they're like scaling a bit more faster. So anything before typically... Series B, around Series A, Seed, Pre-Seed, Bootstrap. Those are kind of the startups that I'm talking about. So you have a finance background or you've done some work in an, as an investor. I don't know if all of my audience will know what Series A, Series B, et cetera, mean. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. This is not investment advice to preface, but basically like the different rounds, they're all, they're all different stages of investing. And so typically a startup, they go through, they might have angel investors to begin with. Um, they might have pre-seed funding, seed funding. So these are typically smaller rounds that happen before the larger rounds. And then you have Series A, Series B, Series C. Series A is very popular. This is when startups might raise 10 to 20 million in, in average investor funds for their startup. Sometimes there are exceptions where you'll see a hundred million seed round or like a hundred million pre-seed round. And so there might be there might have been a few AI startups or even like during 2021, 22. We saw startups that were raising a lot of large seed and pre-seed rounds, mm -hmm. but typically around series A, you might ra raise around 10 to 20 million. And then series B, you typically hit that point once your startup has reached a certain threshold in revenue. So there, of course, there are some exceptions to that, but typically when you reach around like five to 10 to maybe 15 million in revenue, you'd raise a series B round and that's like product market fit at scale. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when your startup becomes like a rocket ship. And then beyond that, if you've proven that you've been on the rocket ship even further than that, and you'll reach series C and then after that series D, E, and then beyond, and then eventually you IPO or say private. So I, I think people might wonder why, let's say I'm making revenue. Why would I need, this is a sidebar, obviously to the main topic of your, of the conversation, but because you have this expertise, I thought I'd ask you, say a company, a startup has started making money or making revenue, why would they need additional funding at that point? What are some of the reasons they might go for additional funding? So I'd say the primary reason people look to raise money is to one, hire more employees to facilitate growth, two, to explore like investing in certain areas. So a lot of AI companies that have been coming out recently, they've invested a lot in getting GPUs, for instance. And so they, they may not have a product yet, but they're investing in the future possibility of building out a product. And so there's a lot of different reasons for why you would get venture funding. I think there's no one right way. It really depends on what type of business you're building. Mm -hmm. So if you have a vision for your product and it will cost a lot to build that vision, typically you might get venture funding or some kind of funding in order yeah. to achieve that. Whereas if your vision essentially allows for organic growth or your, your product is actually so successful that you can sell enough of it to fund the growth internally, 
then you might not get investment. You still might want to get investment for some reasons for that. So yeah. that's so I think that's the idea. And of course, this is for companies that are focused on growth and getting giant, whereas companies that are maybe more of a lifestyle business or without that vision of being giant, they might not even need to get funding to get to that point. So that's cool. So thank you for that little lesson on <laughs> on venture capital and investing. And as I said, I know that you have done a little bit of that. So it was useful to get that feedback from you. So we've talked about the sort of what the characteristics are of the companies that you're talking about when you say startups in your book up to product market fit. That's typically probably up to say 50, a hundred people. Is that, would that be a typical kind of size? Uh, I'd say typically once you're at around 50 employees in the United States, you'd likely you'd be at product market fit. There's obviously exceptions to that because if you're hiring 50 employees and you're venture backed, there, there's a good chance that I'm assuming you haven't raised a series A at that point, you mm -hmm. probably reach some form of product market fit. If you're able to grow sustainably and have that cash burn, be at a low enough point where you can sustainably be around for the next few years. So I think it's a bit more potentially complicated than that in the sense that you never truly know a company's at product market fit until you've looked at the financials of it. And mm -hmm. then you actually worked at the company or you really got into the nitty gritty of talking to customers and seeing how much they enjoy the product. It, it's a very flexible interpretation in the sense that- sure. Yeah, there's not like one kind of like standard for party market fit. Yeah, that makes sense. Chapter two of your book is called Five Compelling Reasons to Join a Startup Now as a New or Aspiring Product Manager. There's two interesting things about that title. One is the five compelling reasons, the other as a new or aspiring product manager. Because a lot of times we hear or we experience this fact that it's really hard to get that first product management job if you don't have product management experience. So I'd like to hear both sides of that question. So what are the sort of five compelling reasons to join a startup, if you can summarize those? And then in particular for what should new or aspiring product managers be looking for in order to get over that hump of you don't have product management experience? I can probably answer those two questions together because they tie in. In terms of the five compelling reasons why you should join a startup, so there's five reasons in the book, but I'll give you five other reasons today just to like <laughs> add on to that. I think one, like anyone can do it. I think that for any new or aspiring product manager, being a product manager at a startup is mainly about skills. It's mainly about skills, whether they're soft skills or hard skills. So the tactical skills of learning how to build a business. So being able to work with different teams, that's definitely kind of like a mix of the hard and soft skill in the sense that you need to have that technical understanding to work with engineers, designers, but you also need that empathy and that ability to communicate with different stakeholders across the organization, right? Mm -hmm. So I think anyone can do it. But you just need to have the one, the ability. So building up the skills, regardless of whether you work in product management or not, you could, might have came from like marketing background, customer success, design, like you might have ran a nonprofit, like you could have any experience, but you could pitch it in a way that makes it a compelling story or a way for you to become a product manager. So I think that anyone can do it. And I talk more about how you can sell your vision in terms of pitching yourself to become a product manager at a startup. But I think two, in terms of a compelling reason to join a startup is that you move quickly, right? And I think within moving quickly, you're open to a lot of experimentation, but then you also have to have a lot of focus. So I think the level of prioritization that you have at a startup is very interesting and unique in the sense that you have a lot of factors on the side that are influencing a lot of your decisions that you make. So what do I mean by that? I mean that you have like limited venture funding. There's obviously a lot of like macroeconomic factors that might be going on. So let's say you're in the lending space, right? Like interest rates might affect your startup. You have limited venture funding. 
You have investors who want you to grow quick. There's a lot of factors that cause you to have a lot more stress and pressure working at a startup. And it's like kind of like the reality of building a business within all these different constraints, right? So you have to be able to focus and prioritize, but then also experiment and do a lot of those things at once. So I think that's another compelling reason of like why you should join a startup. You get to really truly be in the in the depths of a business and really build it from the ground up. And then I think three, the opportunities are endless. Working at a startup, it opens a lot of doors for you in the future. Whether you want to be involved in the startup ecosystem for the long run, whether you want to go to big tech, whether you want to build your own business, whether you want to invest, or like we talked about before, whether you want to advise startups, you can do anything you want after working as a product manager or startup, or even working in a product adjacent role. The opportunities there are endless in that sense. Four is more around adaptation. So you learn how to adapt. You learn how to constantly be on the move, learn different skills. Every day might not be the same. Every week might not be the same. Every month might be different. There's constantly other external factors that might be affecting your day-to-day and internal factors, whether they're customers, economic things, or there's just so many things that you have to adapt to and constraints that you have. And then five is, you know, you have to be open at a startup. And I think that's one reason why you should join. Being open is very important in the sense that there's not one right way to go about solving things. You constantly have to identify which problems are the most important to solve and which solutions would be the best for those problems. And it's open in the, in the sense that you have to be open to whatever you're doing. And then I just want to add on to number six. So there's this one venture investor named Chamath Palyapatiya. He talks about the power of slow compounding. And so I think in startups, you have to detach the outcomes from the consistency of work that you do over time. And so what do I mean by that? Over a period of time, you constantly have to work and work for a long period of time before you see any success. And let's say you're at a consumer startup, you might be able to see your metrics move, you might be able to see things very quickly move and see those results, right? But truly at a startup, it might take even like venture investors say it takes seven years for a startup to exit, right? And so before you see the true fruits of your labor, it'll take years and years. And so I think joining a startup teaches you how to have patience in a world that's very fast moving and wants instance and quick gratification mm-hmm. for results. And it teaches you to have that long-term view and perspective on kind of anything that you do. And so I say that's probably the most compelling reason for why I would join a startup is because it changes your perspective and forces you to be a long-term thinker and really have that patience and dedication and consistency over a period of time. Wow. Okay. So I heard a lot of different characteristics there. You have to be adaptable. You need to have the business and technical acumen to work with developers and to understand the business. You need to be open because things will change, right? You can pivot, the startup might pivot and things like that. You have to be organized despite the uncertainty and the experimentation. And then you have this slow, very slow feedback, combinations of fast feedback loops and very slow, big feedback loops, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, I love that. And so basically, if you want to become a product manager in a startup, but you aren't one today haven't don't have product management experience you basically need to have at least some of those characteristics in order to be successful at it i would think yeah that's correct i I think having that mindset is very important because it teaches you how to learn different skills that will then be a practical way to get into product management i think today the perspective of getting into product management is i have to pass certain interviews i have to really prepare i have to do these cases and go through this clear cut process but i think there's other ways to get into product management and mm-hmm. I think product management and tech, you've got a team that already has funding and you have to advocate for more funding and at a startup, you're building a business from the ground up. Yeah. And so I think it's very different in terms of how you get into product management at a startup. And the way that you do it is very scrappy. Thinking about your background, your set of experiences, developing those experiences over time, and then being able to pitch them in a way that's compelling to the startup that you can add value and show value, even though you haven't been a product manager before. Mm-hmm. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people that might have not been a product manager 
before have been a product manager informally, even if they haven't had the title. Sure. And so I talk a lot about that in the book. And I think that anyone can do it as long as they have an entrepreneurial background and like open mindset to approaching things. Good. You started to talk about this, but maybe you can talk a little more. Having been a successful startup PM, what is next for a person? The book is about doing that within a startup, but then do people stay in startups for the rest of their lives? Do they do other things? What are some things that, that this prepares you for? I think there's different levels of like success and how you can quantify it. And everyone has their own version of success. In terms of the opportunities and optionality that you could have after being a product manager at a startup, I think there's a lot of different things that you can do. One, you can continue to be a product manager. So whether you want to go to a different startup, become a lot more senior, whether you want to be a head of product or VP of product, go to big tech, move up in product management roles, ex explore things there. And you can do that. Um, the other options are that you can become a founder or CEO. So if you are truly a great product manager, I believe that you learn the skills of a founder and CEO. So you learn how to delegate, how to empower teams, how to trust people to like solve problems and create solutions to these problems. And you kind of learn how to work in a very scrappy way too, working at a mm -hmm. startup. And so you learn a lot of the core skill sets and tenets of being a founder. And then I think the most important thing is that you learn not only how to build, but also how to sell, right? And being a founder and CEO, a lot of that job is sales and selling and hiring people. And so I think being a product manager at a startup equips you very well for being able to do that. So a lot of product managers at startups are big tech. They always work on side products, right? So you're constantly exploring things, constantly building things, working on things on the side and then pitching them, selling them and like marketing them. And so I think naturally, if you want to be a founder and CEO, this role is great in terms of preparing you for that. And then alternatively, let's say you stay as a product manager, pivot to a different role within startups or go to big tech. You could always advise startups on the side, angel invest, do basically just investing on the side part-time or even full-time. So you could even become a full-time angel investor or full-time investor mm -hmm. if that's something that you're interested in. You could also be a full-time angel investor if you're interested in that too. And if you had a decent exit from one of your startups. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think there's a lot of optionality in terms of what you can do in the future. And then I think the last thing is you're part of a startup ecosystem. And I think Naval Ravikant talks about this concept of long-term gains. And being a product manager at a startup, you're able to be in a long-term gain where your growth constantly compounds every single day that you do something, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's at your job or outside of your job, let's say you're building a brand or building a product, you're part of this community and this game for a very long time. And so for the next like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you'll be part of this community and you can contribute to it and you can inspire the next generation of people too, if that's something that you're interested in. So I think that all these things together, these are all like benefits of being a product manager at a startup. Cool. Great. Now let's get into some nitty gritty. So you have several chapters that are like five tips or 10 tips or things like that. I have a couple of questions about that. So first of all, do you have a set of top 10 tips? And also I'm curious, as you were building your skills in product management, working in startups, how did you organize yourself and how did you learn things that worked and things that didn't work? Tell me a little bit about that. I think a list of top tips for me, I think one is the concept of practical creativity, being able to be creative and open-minded to your team members' ideas and ideas that your customers might have and ideas that anyone might have, but being creative in a practical sense where you're thinking about how does this relate to the business? How does this relate to customers? How does it truly grow the company over time? Really thinking of it in a practical sense. How does A result to B or like A result to C like in the future? So being able to tie your day-to-day -day activities to potential outcomes in the future is very important. That helps you really think about how to build a business, right? And then it teaches you how to influence without authority. And I think that's a lot of like product management. A lot of people talk about that, right? So 
you might not have the level of authority of a CEO or a VP of product or even like anyone on the executive team, right? But you need to be able to influence without authority. And I think that you constantly have to find ways to do that, right? And then my second tip, you need to be able to focus and prioritize. You're constantly going to have ideas for things to work on and initiatives to, to work on and the things that your team members could be working on or things you could be doing in your free time. I think it's important to be able to compartmentalize and say, this is important right now. This is important for the week. This is important for the next month or year. And think about how do you like prioritize within the scope of what you're doing right now, what you're doing in the future. So I think that's very important to be able to be intentional, intentional about things that you do and how you use your time. And then three, I think, I think being open, there's a lot of people and thought leaders that say certain people have certain skills from the get-go. I think that could be the case. That could not be the case in the sense that if you're interested in something, you're willing to develop that skill and you have that passion or like some curiosity around that. And I think that whether it's product sense or entrepreneurship or something along those lines, as long as you're willing to try and have that interest, you can develop that over time. And that comes through a lot of trial and error, right? For certain people, it might take more time. Certain people might take less time to develop certain skills. But I think anyone can really develop any skill. I studied behavioral economics and stats my freshman year of college. Sophomore year of college, my major became industrial labor relations. And then I took courses in design. I learned marketing part-time through an internship. I led the marketing team at a university club. I, I, I learned about customer success one summer. I programmed in high school. I learned about business strategy through courses. And some of this stuff just wasn't related to what I was truly learning full-time like as a student, right? I think that if you approach your career as a student, in the sense that you might be new to things that you're lear learning and that you can learn anything from the ground up. Having that open-mindedness to be able to learn anything and believing that you can truly be great at it, I think that's very important for anyone who's working in product management and beyond. So regardless of where you're at in your career, I say there are people that you can follow that have that expertise and have done those things, but they all started somewhere, right? They all started like having no knowledge in a certain thing, maybe having not high level of interest or not having a high level of passion. That's very important. Just being able to have that mindset that you can really true and grow into anything that you want. And then in terms of how I do that in my day to day, I don't really have any key frameworks that I use. I think focus and openness are things that I do. I'm very open in terms of how to go about solving a problem or how to go about thinking about solutions, but I'm very focused in terms of what we're doing day to day or like month to month. And basically what I do is I'm very focused day to day. Mm -hmm. But I take that time to zoom out and think about maybe at the end of the day, end of a week or end of a month, I'm thinking about higher level, how do certain features or certain problems affect the company growing over time or how certain customers, how we're addressing those problems for customers. That's very broad, right? It's very context specific in terms of how you apply certain learnings or certain principles. There's no one right way to grow within a certain context. There's a lot of different ways you could do it. So I think within B2B versus like consumer, there's a lot of differences between business models and how you grow. There's like a lot of principles that you can learn from people. What's important is that you use data, you talk to people, really communicate with people, and you're really open to experimenting because you never know what will end up working, what won't end up working. Having that openness, having that focus, and having that intention with things that you do are all very important regardless of the company or startup that you're at because there's just so many different ways to do things. But if you're very practical and tactical about the things that you do while having that level of creativity, I think all of that's very important in order to succeed at a startup or build something. Sure. makes a lot of sense. And I love the idea of having these different levels, remembering to have these different levels of focus. Some right now, some this month, this year, timeframes for your yeah. goals and things. Is that too often people, I think, get stuck in the, in one of those, whether it's a longer one or a shorter one, shorter term one. That's great. Right, yeah. So you, of course, have worked as a product manager in a startup. And I think it would be interesting at this point to 
hear a little bit about how you hone these ideas through your own experiences and what your career in product management has been, how you got to where you are today to where you have this knowledge and experience and learning where you can create a, a great book. Through trial and error, I just started writing lessons down that I thought would be potentially helpful for me to remember in the future. Originally, it started out as a guidebook for me. So basically on the Sticky Notes app on Google Keep, I basically would just write lessons of things that I've learned over the past few years in product management. So they could be like broad lessons, they may be context specific. Let's say it's one thing about how stakeholders are talking to each other or how a certain complex situation might arise, being able to navigate that stuff certain things that I might've learned in a very specific situation that might've helped me. So let's say there was a customer interaction with a VAB customer and they demanded a feature for a certain product, right? And so that taught me that one, you should balance requests from stakeholders or requests from external customers with your current roadmap in the sense that customers will always have demands and needs for what they want, but you have to balance it with what you already have on your roadmap and really think about critically what is really important for your customers long-term and mm -hmm. for the business itself. There's little learnings like that that I would just write to myself on two sticky notes that were, I probably came out to like a few thousand words. It wasn't anything too crazy like a book to begin with. And then eventually I just wrote that into articles. And then in the articles, it forced me to expand on my thoughts. And then each article I wrote, I would get feedback from people, whether they enjoyed it or not. And then I could track the metrics of certain topics did well, certain topics didn't do well. Um, and just see how to build like a narrative around like product management at startups. Mm -hmm. So I started writing articles and thinking about how does it all fit into what you learn at startups and within product management. And then eventually that turned in, into the book, right? And so that was a process that took a few months. And then slowly over time, I would just write different notes and learnings. I think that they're broad enough in the sense that they can apply to a lot of different situations of product management, whether it's B2B or consumer or B2B to C, regardless of the business model that you're in. Again, that ties into something that I want to do in the future, right? Like how do you really be context specific to certain business models and how do you grow within those business models? Hmm. There's a lot of very nuanced and specific learnings within product management at X company or Y company or Z company that I might have not covered specifically in the book, but broadly I talk about how do you break into product management? What are some of the core skills that you need to know to be a product manager that can be successful at startups? How do you explore different opportunities in the future and how do you keep growing your skill set for the long run? So it's like a very skills-focused approach to learning product management. And then I think there's a lot of like more specific detail learnings that you can have depending on the type of product manager that you want to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And so what is your product management story? Originally, I wanted to work in the government and work in public policy growing up. And so I worked at a few government agencies. I started out at the mayor's office of correspondence in New York City. I was working in the mailroom. It's called the office of correspondence. Office like of reading. correspondence. That means mailroom, apparently. Yeah, I was like reading anything that came in the sense that I was looking at the packages and stuff. And then I would manage the things that were coming in. And it taught me a lot about government and working with people and understanding what people were doing in New York and the city and, and just have an idea of how government functions and what public policy is. After that, I wanted to work at another government agency and I decided to work at the FCC for a bit. That was a great experience that set me up for working at another agency at the Federal Reserve. That's where really things changed for me. Working at the Fed, I got to work under a product manager that was releasing an iOS app. It was the first app at the agency. I got very lucky, right? She was working on an app called Money Adventure. And so the goal of the app was to teach anyone, children, people who are curious about US currency, just teach them about how US currency works, like different mm -hmm. security features, different ways to understand how US currency is built, or just like the basics around that. And so there was a fun dog and the dog would like guide you through an ARVR app of how to learn about US currency. 
So through that experience, I got to work with, or I got to mainly sit in on meetings with designers and developers and get exposure to product management at a very early stage. So I got to see my first roadmap and see what it was like to build something from the ground up, even at a government agency. I thought that was really interesting and cool. I, I wasn't too interested in product management, but after that experience, product management seems interesting and intriguing. And so after that summer, I was interested in finance and consulting. So I wanted to go down more of the traditional path of doing that. And so worked at a consulting firm for a bit and then worked at Adobe for a bit. And then I realized I wanted to move a lot quicker in terms of the stuff that I was doing. And so I had this passion for startups. I joined this club at my university. Cornell AppDev was this organization that built apps for students and they'd have hundreds of thousands of users, hundreds or thousands, not hundreds of thousands. We, <laughs> we didn't have too many students and alumni using it, but we had enough where a lot of the student population would use it. And so I was on the marketing side and then we had product managers, we had developers, designers, engineers, backend, frontend, iOS and Android developers. And so I got to work with a lot of these people on a daily basis through our club. So that built my curiosity working in product management and entrepreneurship. I was on the marketing side. We did a lot of these guerrilla marketing efforts, like how do you grow like the user base of an app? How do you build up the brand of an organization over time? How do you fundraise and do a lot of those cool things around go to market? But I was curious, these people that were in product management, they were doing a lot of cool things. Like they were going on to build their own startups. There's an alumni that have built companies like Ramp. One person's built a startup called Response that's been through YC and he's like helping out with procurement in the B2B space. And so I was like, I really want to be like these people one day. I really want to be entrepreneurial and learn how to build businesses. Growing up in my free time, I would build YouTube channels, eBay, coupon businesses, and sell Pokemon cards, flip items, and do all that stuff. So I always had that curiosity about entrepreneurship, but it wasn't like a normal path to explore that right after graduation. Mm -hmm. Full-time, I decided, why not just jump into product management as a startup and see what happens? And obviously, it was very risky at the time. Being a student, taking your first role out of startup, not many people did that, right? Looking back, it wasn't that risky in the sense that it opened up so many doors. I was in a space that was pretty innovative and groundbreaking within fintech. They called it embedded finance. Basically, it helps SMBs start their own lending programs. We would create infrastructure for lending and underwriting, work with some of the most innovative fintech APIs to be able to underwrite customers for loans and help them get access to credit. I learned a lot about the fintech ecosystem and just working and getting a lot of industry expertise. At the same time, I was learning product management from the ground up. They just left Y Combinator and then they raised their Series A and I was in the in the phase of them scaling past product market fit and past that initial set of customers. That experience was great just in general for building my foundation for product management. And then currently I'm a product manager at an insure tech company. It's more consumer focused in the sense that we don't have a set of four customers. Working at both companies has really formed my experience working in both B2B and B2C, understanding how growth works in both aspects and how companies are built in both spaces. There's not a set path that I went down. Now I'm forming a path for myself, product management at startups, advising and, and investing and doing all that stuff. But looking back, my, my path was like zigzag. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I kind of just figured it out like one step at a time. I think that's the story of many product managers, a zigzag and not knowing what you want to do. And, but having built up all of these different experiences that then can combine into you having a worldview that's wider matter what it is, but it's wide. A lot of things that are going on. That's really cool. I like that. Do you have any advice for people that are just diving into your book? What is the sort of the minimum effective dose? Where should somebody start? Because there's got 300 pages and it's pretty dense. So what would be a good sort of starting path for folks? If you're already a product manager, you don't have to read the first chapter. You probably dive into any chapter that you're interested in or might excite you in terms of skills-based learning and how to become a better product manager, whether you're at a startup or tech company. Mm -hmm. But if you're just at that initial stage of exploring product management, like what is it? How do I break in? How do I get to the next step? 
reading the first chapter and going in order can be helpful for you. I want people to believe that they can really break into product management from any background and mm -hmm. that their experiences that they've had so far are beneficial and valuable. Sure. Even if they haven't been formally called product management or like product marketing or product design, you've done this stuff before, whether it's through teams you've led, things that you've done, like volunteer work or your side products you've had, or just anything that you've explored, they can all be like entrepreneurial. And that's what product management is. It's being a business builder and, and startup operator, right? You've learned this stuff before. It's a matter of just building on top of that stuff and solidifying that and then pitching that to, to different companies that you're interested in. And then I think if you're a founder or CEO, I'd just focus on like the tactical skills and learning different skills and how to hire a product manager, what to look for. And I think this book will teach you how to hire that initial startup product manager. For founders and CEOs, it's very important because once you hit that inflection point of series A, maybe C, sometimes like even like pre-seed, you want to start delegating some of those executional responsibilities. And a product manager can help lead your vision. And then this book will teach you, what do I look for in terms of how to hire a product manager? What's most important is just entrepreneurialism. I know I talk about this a lot, but just being able to wear multiple hats, not having an ego, like you're willing to do any task possible that's going to help the company move forward. I think that's very important when looking for a product manager. And then I think if you're an investor or advisor, or someone who's like just involved in the startup ecosystem, it'll teach you how companies are built. I think this is one perspective on it. There's a lot of perspectives on like how startups are built over time, but it'll teach you how companies are structured how they grow over time in a very broad sense. So if you're curious about investing in startups, I think learning like how they're built first can be a very good step or a good addition to what you've already learned in terms of investing in them. Sure. From any background, you can start at any point in the book <laughs> and there's no one set order, but that's my recommendation. Okay. And so a lot of it is like, find the chapter that seems interesting and read that one. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to jump around and do what's best for you. That sounds great. This has been really interesting, Manan. I really enjoyed hearing about your book. I'm enjoying reading the book. Again, it's The Startup Product Manager by my guest, Manan Modi. It's been great having you on. If people wanted to learn more about you, obviously the book, they can find the book on Amazon. It's right there. And I'll put links to that in the show notes. What else would you like people to know about getting in touch with you or connecting with you a little bit more? Thanks, Nils, for having me. I really appreciate it. I think in terms of getting in touch with me, you can go to my website and then I have links to my LinkedIn, email, all that. So my website is myfirstnamelastname.com. They have a lot of access to like different things that you can read or contact me through through the website. Then I'm also launching a newsletter. So we've had around like 300 subscribers so far for it. Um, so it's called a Startup Product Manager. But if you're starting out in startups or let's say you're in big tech and you're looking to move into startups your investor, your founder, CEO, you're just learning about product management or how to build companies. And you're looking for a place where you can get some principles and some foundation for those learnings. Uh, that's the newsletter that I want to build over time and like things that I want to help people with. And then also, if you're looking to break into startups or break into product management, that's also a great newsletter for you. So I'm hoping to keep writing on that over time and expanding on the book and any free stuff and discounts and resources, I'll give through that newsletter. So if you're excited for that, definitely subscribe there. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'll put links to the newsletter signup page in the show notes for this episode. And you can also, I'll have a special link, secretsofpm.com slash slash Manan, M-A-N-A-N. And you can find Manan there and all of the links at that point. So that is great. Thank you again for joining me. Really enjoyed having you liking the book. Good luck with the book. I hope you have lots of sales and I hope this podcast helps people find it and find you and that you get to influence a lot of products, product managers, because it's great. Thank you, Nils. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's, let's keep building on this ecosystem. Let's empower the next generation of product managers and startup people. And let's keep building together. 
Thanks again to Manan Modi, and I urge you to check out his book, The Startup Product Manager, full of interesting tips and insights and thoughts about being a product manager and in particular being a product manager at a startup. To learn more about Manan, find links to the book and to Manan's socials and articles and other related information. Check out the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 147. And you can drop a comment on the show page there if you have comments or complaints about this episode or any other episode. I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Nils Davis on both. Feel free to follow and or connect with me on either platform. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice if you haven't already. And share the episode with your friends and or enemies, depending on how you felt about it. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.